Uh, some years ago, I was in my office back here, and uh, I got a phone call. Uh, a lady was on the other end. She told me her name, which did not connect with me at all. She said, I, I was a kid, and I grew up in your church in Pine Bluff at the Oak Park Free Will Baptist Church. And then she told me what her maiden name was. And the little girl that I remembered was a little blonde-headed girl who had, who had buck teeth, or a little blonde-headed buck tooth, cute little girl. I, I can remember that she lived with her grandparents. I can't remember the family situation, but her grandparents raised her. And I remember every Sunday morning at Oak Park, uh, before Sunday school, I would go around to every single Sunday school class and greet people, especially the little kid classes. And when I would get to her class, without exception, every Sunday, she would make a mad dash towards me and grab hold of my leg <laughs> and would not let go of me until I reached down and hugged her and acknowledged her and said hi to her. I remember the day her granddad died, and I went over to the house, and I was sitting there talking to the grandmother, and we were planning out the funeral, and this little girl, Rachel, I remember her coming and crawling up into my lap and sobbing as she buried her head in my chest. I, I was able to baptize that little girl. She got saved in our church and on the phone, she told me that she was now married. She had children of her own. And then she said, Brother Will, the purpose of me calling you today was simply to say thank you. She said, you don't know the impact that you had on my life and the impression that you made. We said our goodbyes and I hung up the phone and I said out loud, I said to myself out loud, Wow, I had no idea. And you know what? That's just the point. We never know the impact that we are having when we work with little kids for the sake of the gospel. I want you to think back to those church workers, those Sunday school teachers, those midweek workers, those vacation Bible school workers who sacrificed their time to teach and to train you in your childhood. To paraphrase 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, our labor on behalf of children in the Lord is not in vain. Children's work, after all, is emphasized throughout the Bible. For example, I want you to look with me at Psalm 78. I'd like to begin this morning by reading a few verses from Psalm 78. We're not going to exegete or look at this passage. I'm simply using it as a springboard to share with you five other passages that the Lord has given me this past week. So here we are, Psalm 78. I'm going to try to read, beginning in verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he alone has done." Church, in other words, if we do nothing else in life, we are obligated as parents and grandparents and as church members to pass down the message of the good news of the gospel to our children. 
We are to instill in their hearts at an early age the truth of God. We are to teach them who God is and how God works. And you might say, well, why? Well, if we read on, it tells us why. Look at verse number 6. That the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its hearts aright, and whose spirit was not faithful to the Lord God Almighty. So church, listen to me. By teaching our children the lessons of Scripture, we will be instilling inside of them the wisdom that they need to trust the Lord as their Savior. And we're going to help them to learn from the previous mistakes that we have made. Hmm? Paul said the same thing to Timothy. In the New Testament, he said, Timothy, from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And so listen, parents and grandparents and church members, as we teach children the Bible in our homes and also in this church, we want them to learn the lessons of the Lord. We want them to learn the commandments of God. We want to teach them to fear God early. We want to teach them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and that they can be saved and that God has a perfect plan for their life. Amen. Amen. But in the remainder of my message today, I'd like to say something else to you about kids. I would like to share with you the promises that God has given to children. Now, you know there are literally hundreds of promises in the Bible that God makes to his people. But I have found five specific promises that God makes to little people. There are at least five promises in the Bible that God has made for children, for little kids. And I got to thinking about it. After all, if I love my children enough to make them certain promises, don't you think the Lord Jesus loves children enough to make them some special promises too? Well, he does. And there are at least five of them. And so I would like to show you these five passages and these five promises that God makes to children today. The first one is found in Exodus chapter 20. It is picked up and repeated in Ephesians chapter 6. And it is the promise of longevity for those who obey their mama and their daddy. Exodus 20 verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you today. And this verse again is picked up in Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for that is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, how many of y'all want to live a good long life? I mean, really, wake up. Everybody should raise their hand. I mean, yeah, we do. 
There's been a great deal of research currently going on about human longevity. In fact, I read an article that appeared not long ago. A group of scientists met in L.A., and they declared that they are on the brink of being able to significantly stretch the human lifespan. Future generations, so say these scientists, may be able to avail themselves of scientifically established techniques to stretch the human lifespan like taffy into 150 and maybe even 200 years. The, the article said that researchers have already, listen to me, they have already been able to double the lifespan of a fruit fly. Wow! And I suppose that what's good for a fruit fly is bound to be good for me and you. You know, having thought about that for a, a couple of days, I, I think I've decided I don't want to live to be 200. <laughs> Man, I, I, I don't want that. However, there was another study going on at the same time, and the report came out at the same time that this one did, and it was conducted by sociologists from the University of Texas, the University of Colorado at Boulder, and also by Florida State University. And their findings were that people who attend church every single week live at least seven years longer than people who don't attend church every week. Now, I can go with that one. I know That's biblical. The Bible teaches that the way we live and the lifestyle we choose has a direct bearing on how long we're going to live. Duh. Some Christian parents know that. And some of them have learned those lessons the hard way, haven't we? And their words help us to live life right. And their words help us to go about living a healthy and holy and wholesome lifestyle. I think we would do well to listen to their words and obey their commands. Because they've been there. And so when my daddy tells me, don't go down under the railroad track and steal cookies from hobos. I know he's trying to teach me a life lesson because he did that. Now, guys, let me tell you, you've got to be pretty poor if you're stealing cookies from hobos. I don't know if, if his family was really that poor or if he was just that mean, but let me tell you, my daddy got into a whole lot of trouble when he was a boy. I, I didn't know this until I got older, and he started telling me these stories, and at first I thought he was fabricating them. I thought he was making them up. I mean, what kid that's about 12 years old jumps on a train in Midland, Texas, rides all the way to Dallas, spends the day, and then jumps on another train and come back, comes back? What adolescent kid does that? And I guess the worst part of it all is when he did that, Grandma Harmon didn't even know he was gone. <laughs> I mean, I, he was trying to teach me a life lesson when he told me, son, don't ever try to outrun the police on your motorcycle. <laughs> or to get away from them, slide into a Methodist church and slip into the back and sit on the back pew as they're searching on the outside of the building. 
And again, I'm thinking, he's making all this up. He couldn't have been like that, but you know what? He was. <laughs> and so listen, when, when your parents try to tell, tell you and teach you, you know, here are life lessons. Don't touch that hot stove. Then cotton picking, don't touch it, man. The writer of the book of Proverbs was forever warning his son not to cast his lot with the wrong crowd. You go back and read Proverbs again and again. He is saying, son, do not visit prostitutes. Son, do not be deceived by wine and alcohol. Son, don't fight and brawl. He warned his son against laziness and lying and lust. Those are three L's you need to avoid. Laziness, lying, and lust. Kind of goes along with the three B's my dad tried to teach me. Stay away from bars, booze, and blondes, son. <laughs> I failed on the last one. I guess. <laughs> Hearing and heeding such words adds days to our lives. For obedience to godly parents saves all of us life-diminishing habits. And as we obey our parents, God blesses us and our lives are extended. That's a promise that God makes especially for his children. And we need to understand that. Living a holy, godly life that our parents teach us to live is good for us. And you know what? I can stand over here because it's just, oh man, it crushes me. When I see parents who teach, not only let their kids see them do bad things, but teach their kids to live an unholy, ungodly life, it, it just, man, it, it breaks my heart and it also makes me mad. God's promise is for longevity to those who honor their parents. Number two, the promise to God's kids is this. God promises children his constant care and keeping. Even Listen to me. Even if they are abandoned by their mothers and fathers. Psalm 27 verse 10. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Now I hate to talk about this, but all of us know that sometimes children are abandoned by their parents. We read about it all the time. In fact, you read about it daily where, where parents have just abandoned their children, left them in a trash can or in a public washroom or on someone's doorsteps. We hear of fathers abandoning their families and going off to suit their own pleasures. And here's the reality. I hate to say this, but the reality is this. There are people in this building this morning some of whom are in this room who were abandoned by their parents at an early age. But the psalmist gives us a promise. A promise of God to children who have been abandoned. Here it is in New Testament form. The Lord Jesus Christ will never abandon you. He promises to never leave us. Or forsake us. Some of you all know the name Ruth Bell Graham. She was the wife of Billy Graham. She was shipped off to boarding school when she was 13 years old. And it, it, it literally broke her heart. Her parents were missionaries in China. And so they sent their daughter to school in North Korea. She suffered from acute homesickness. She cried herself to sleep every night. Praying earnestly every night that during the night she would die. But one night she stumbled across this verse in Psalm 27 verse 10. 
Now, she knew her parents had not deliberately forsaken her, but she felt forsaken. She felt abandoned. She felt very much alone. But here in this verse, God spoke to her. And God said, you're not alone. I am with you. And she found comfort in the assurance of his ever-present love and his watch care over her life. So whoever you are, if you are a person here today and your family abandoned you, I want to give you hope and tell you God loves you. He's not abandoned you, nor will he ever abandon you. You know, I, I, I love my kids. I do. I love my kids with all my heart. And, and I feel like one of my obligations as a dad is to protect my kids the best I can. And so I have, I have spent my life trying to protect my kids. Yesterday, Zane turned 18, and so I guess all of them are grown now. <laughs> but I still feel like I need to protect them. You know what I'm saying? And so yesterday, man, I tell you, both Friday and yesterday, Friday, we went to Little Rock for some, Why did we go to Little Rock? <laughs> Guys, why did we go to Little Rock? I, I think that was on TV. Y'all are not as excited as we are. Man, state championship for Greenwood. I, I told some of the players, I said, listen, I, I lived in Pine Bluff. We played Pine Bluff for state championship. I said, I lived in Pine Bluff for seven years. I don't have any warm, fuzzy feelings for Pine Bluff. So I, I don't want you just to beat Pine Bluff. I want you to annihilate Pine Bluff, all right? And they did, man. They put a pouncing on Pine Bluff. Anyway, we spent the night with Whitney and, uh, and then celebrated Zane's birthday yesterday in, in, uh, in Little Rock. It was, he, we told him, we'll go eat anywhere you want to go. And he went to the Purple Cow. <laughs> yeah, Purple Cow. Hamburger, hamburger and milkshake. I mean, you know, I, I love the boy's heart. And though, so then, then we split up. Grandma Peggy was there. Mom and Dad had already went back Friday night. Grandma Peggy's 81 Man, she, she's 81 years old. She was driving back to Corning by herself. And so, you know, I was praying, God, please protect Grandma. She drives. And, and then uh, uh, Tyler and Whitney were going to stay there and, and do things at the house. And Angie and Zane and I were driving back. And I was praying for protection on them. Zane was kind of feeling bad. He was sick. Lord, I was praying that he'd get better because he's got to go to basketball practice this afternoon. One, end one sport, go to the next one. And Lord, give him strength. And then I was really praying because I was really praying for the middle kid. Because Callie drove in Friday night just for the game. She got there at second quarter. She had driven from Waco to, to Little Rock and spent the night. And now she was driving back from, from Little Rock to Waco. And boy, let me tell you what. When, when Callie is on the road, that's all I do is pray. <laughs> I mean, I pray. I say, Please, angels. Watch she, she graduated from Mama Ann's Driving School 101. And I'm, I'm not going to say anything else about that because I'll get in trouble. But, I, you know, I just said, Lord, here's my prayer. Lord, I can't be there with Callie. I can't drive for her, but I know you're with her. You know what? That, that's the way I raised my kids. When I couldn't be there, I knew they were in better hands than if I were there. He who keeps them never slumbers. He who keeps them never sleeps. 
And the best advice I can give you as parents and grandparents is that every morning before your family leaves the house, that you pray the armor of God on them. Literally pray the armor of God on them. I've done it for years for my family. Lord Jesus, I pray that they would put on the belt of truth, that they would wear the shoes of the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness. Lord, help them to take the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. Lord, protect them and go with them. You know what? That's a promise that God gives kids. God's care and his protection, even when they've been abandoned by their family. The third promise is found in Proverbs chapter 8. It is the promise of blessing for those who read the Bible daily. Proverbs 8.32, now then, my sons, okay? So the promise is to the children, to the sons, Listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. So I want you to imagine and picture here a man, a father. He's sitting on the sofa and his sons are sitting beside him. And he's talking to them. And he says, sons, here it is. God wants to bless you. And I want you to let God bless you. But here's the way you receive the blessings from the Lord. You've got to keep God's ways. You've got to read God's word every day and obey him and listen to him. Blessed is the one who watches daily at my doors and makes his way to my doorways and looks for me. In other words, the father is saying, sons, my child, my boys, if you read and obey the Bible every day, God is going to bless your life. That's a promise to kids. And parents, I think intellectually we know that, but somehow we fail to communicate it with our kids. So you need to sit down and tell them, listen guys, I want God's blessing on your life. You need God's blessing. But to get it, you've got to read his word every day. You've got to read his word and pray. You know what? Kids need to know this. Kids need to know that. Because they have a lot on their minds today. I read an article not long ago entitled, Young Minds Can Carry a Heavy Load of Worries. And the article was the result of surveys conducted on 1,200 kids across the United States from ages 5 to 16. And the researchers were alarmed at how deeply our children are stressed out and worried. You might think, well, what in the world could worry a a 10-year-old? What would stress out a kid today? Well, there's, there's more than you think, man. Their number one worry was that their parents would die. Number two, they worried about being in a car wreck. Number three, they worried about getting a bad report card. <laughs> I guess I should have worried more about that. Or failing in a grade at school. Number five, they worried about having to go to the hospital. And number six, about the possibility of their parents divorcing. 
So you tell me, how important is it to learn early in life that we need to meet with the Lord Jesus Christ every day in Bible study and prayer? And it is in that time that we are strengthened and renewed, that we can take our cares to the Lord and leave them and have the knowledge that he loves us and he's going to take care of us and he has a plan for our life. Addressed to children in Proverbs 8 again, it says, Blessed are those who listen daily to the Lord, watching daily at His door and waiting at His doorpost. Promise number four is probably my favorite. It comes from the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. And it is the promise of salvation to all who call upon the name of the Lord. In Mark chapter 10, verse 13, people were bringing their little children to Jesus. They were simply wanting Jesus to touch them and, and to bless them. But the disciples got mad. They, they, it ticked them off. Jesus doesn't have time for these little kids, they said. And they were rebuking the parents. The Bible says Jesus became indignant, not towards the parents or the kids, but to his disciples. And here's what Jesus said, Mark 10, 14. Let the little children come unto me, and do not hinder them, for such is the kingdom of God. Now, I believe Jesus is teaching us a whole lot of things here, but the first thing he's teaching us is that, you know what? Little kids can be saved. Did you hear me, church? Little kids can come to know the Lord. They can be saved. They can understand enough of the gospel to receive it in faith. How do I know that? Because it's the truth. The Bible tells me I've seen it in everyday life. In fact, I've, I've done a little research myself to, to find out the age of, of people when they come to know the Lord Jesus. And, and that is very interesting in and of itself. Here are the numbers. 10% of all Christians, okay, 10% of believers were saved at five years of age or under. 50% were saved between the age of 5 and 10. 20% came to Christ between the age of 11 to 15. And the rest, the final 20%, were saved after the age of 16. And let me tell you, as you grow older, the likelihood of a person coming to Christ greatly diminishes. So just think about this for a second. This really is mind-boggling here. 80% of the people who are believers today came to faith in Jesus Christ before they were 16 years of age. 60% were saved before they were 10 years old. Can I tell you, it just makes really good sense that we pass on to the next generation the truth of God. And that we teach our kids early on life that Jesus loves them and they can be saved. Because it is during those years when their hearts are soft and pliable. And they haven't had all the world stuff crammed down their throat. That they can see and know that God loves them and they can believe. Church, it only makes sense that we invest in our kids. And we share with them the good news of the gospel. I care deeply about Kavanaugh Church. This is my life. I've given 20 years so far, and I hope to give at least 10 more. And I keep telling you that. Please don't fire me for 10 more years. 
I hope I can go 10 more years. But you know what? It's not just then that I want God to keep blessing Kavanaugh Church because I believe this church can make an impact in this city and this world. But for it to keep going and growing, we are going to have to pass on to the next generation the faith of Jesus. It's a gospel not just for us. It's for a generation to come. One of my favorite preachers was the British fireball Stephen Olford. In fact, I'll be honest with you and, and confess, I learned how to preach like I preach today from Stephen Alford. I didn't learn it at Bible college. I didn't learn it at seminary. I learned it from Stephen Alford. I heard this guy preach when I was young, just a teenager, and I thought, goodness gracious, if this is preaching, what in the world have I been doing? I mean, the guy can preach. He can take a passage of Scripture and just open it up. And you can feel the presence of God. And besides all that, he had this great British accent. Man, it's just a marvelous preacher. And I literally learned how to preach expository messages from reading his messages, listening to him on tape, and then personally going to hear him preach. And I, I, before he died, I had several conversations with Stephen Olford about preaching and the art of preaching. His life intrigued me, and I found out how he was saved. He grew up in Africa where his parents were missionaries. And on his seventh birthday, after they had the cake and the presents, his mother Bessie set the family down and she gave them a devotion. It was from John chapter 14. And she read the verse where Jesus said, If I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And she stopped and she looked right at Stephen, who had just turned seven years old that day. And she said, Stephen, if Jesus Christ came back tonight, would you be ready to go with him? And her question went unanswered. And Stephen put his head down and he started fidgeting with his fingers. He went to bed that night, but he couldn't sleep. He tossed and turned the, through the African night until finally... About 3 o'clock in the morning, he screamed out. He yelled out to his mother. Bessie came running down the hall into his room. She was afraid a hyena or some other wild animal was right out his window. But no animal was there. She sat on the edge of his bed. She held the body of her 7-year-old son whose body was trembling in fear. And she knew he was afraid. She said, Stephen, what's wrong? And he said, Mother, I've kept thinking about Jesus coming back tonight and me not being ready. Mama, help me get ready. And so she read to him Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. She said, Stephen, if you really want Jesus into your heart, you're going to have to believe with faith and confess him and ask him to come into your life. Stephen, do you want to do that? He said, yes, mama. And so they knelt down right beside his little bed. And he said, we conducted a holy transaction with the Lord. <laughs> Later on in life, Stephen wrote and said, before that, before that happened that night, my pillow seemed like it was stuffed with bricks. But afterwards, a wonderful peace came into my heart. My mother was the undergirding of that conversion. In those early formative years, he said, it was her training. It was her teaching. It was her example and her counseling that drew me to the Lord. And how old was he when he got saved? He was seven. 
Kids can get saved. I've shared with you my own personal testimony. I was a year younger than that. I was six when I invited Jesus into my heart. But you know what? I was raised in a Christian home. Every night my parents had a night devotion before my sister and I went to bed. We would get in their bedroom and dad would read a passage of scripture and we would kneel around the bed and we would pray together. We never missed church. We were in church every single Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night. Two-week revivals, we were there every night. One Sunday night, my parents were in separate vehicles, and they left the church thinking that I was with either one, but I wasn't. I was asleep on the back pew. They had to come back and get me. I'm just telling you, I was raised in a home that revered God and loved God, and my parents taught me from a very young age that Jesus loved me. And you would think that I would have accepted Jesus at home, but that wasn't the case. It was on a Sunday night at the Westside Free Will Baptist Church in Midland. We were sitting on the third pew, and my pastor, E.E. E. Zellers, for some strange reason, preached on hell that night. And let me tell you, that dude was an old-fashioned preacher. He'd preach an hour and a half, two hours, and you didn't get up. Because if you got up, he'd call you down by name. And he preached on hell that night. And I'm telling you, it's as if, I'm like, I was only six years old, but I can remember it like it was yesterday. It was like he reached down and opened the lid of hell, and on the third row, Nathan, I could feel the heat. And when he gave that invitation, I bolted to the altar, and he came down there and he said, William, what can I pray with you about? And I said, Brother Zellers, I don't want to go to hell. And he said, son, you don't have to. About that time, my mom and dad were around me. He went through the Romans road of salvation with me at the altar. And right there, I invited Jesus Christ into my heart. It's as if he scared hell right out of me. man. Six years old. Can kids be saved? Yes, they can. The duty is ours to share with them the love of Jesus and the plan of salvation. The fifth promise goes right along with number four, and I'm almost done. It is the promise of the Holy Spirit's indwelling to those who make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. In Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Paul had been preaching to the multitudes. The Apostle Peter had been preaching to the multitudes in the city of Jerusalem. The people being deeply convicted, asked what they had to do to be saved. And in verse 37, it says they were cut to the hearts and they were crying out, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter's famous replies in verse 38. Repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. Notice this is a promise for you and for your children. Children are included. It is a promise for the children that if they give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, they will not only receive forgiveness of sin, they will also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit will come and make His home in their hearts. Little kids can be indwelt by the same Holy Spirit you are indwelt by. They can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Their little hearts can become the home of God's Spirit. 
And so we love on them. And we pray for them. And we tell them the truth of the gospel. Why? Because Jesus loves little kids. They matter to him. And they better matter to us. So, Brother Will, why are you preaching this today? Why are you giving us these five promises that God gave to kids? Well, so the next generation will know. So kids will know. You might say, well, why, 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 why? And I've had people ask me this. I hate to admit it, but I've had people in this church ask me this. Preacher, why do we invest so much money and manpower in kids? Why? I mean, why do we do that? Why do, why do we have kids' ministry? Why in the world do we do all these things for kids? Why, why in the world do we, do we do this thing, adopt a family, where we try to raise $53,000? Why do we do that? Why in the world is it a distinctive of our church to really care about teenagers and little kids? I don't even think I have to answer that. I mean, it, it ought to be obvious to us. It's because kids matter. They matter to God. And let me tell you, they should matter to the future of this church as well. They matter so much that, that God has told us in Psalm 78, if you do anything, you make sure you pass on to the next generation the truth of God. They matter so much that God made five specific promises just for kids the promise of longevity to those who obey their father and mother. The promise of God's constant care and keeping, especially to those who have been abandoned by their parents. The promise of blessing to those who read his word daily. The promise of salvation to those who call upon his name. And the promise of the Holy Spirit to those who are saved. Let me tell you, God cares about kids. And I care about kids. And I really think we all care about him. So let's do something. Let's do something affirmative today. And every one of us can do this. Number one, you need to get your heart right with Jesus. I can't be a role model for my son or my daughters or my wife if I'm not living for God myself. Daddies, do you hear me? So get the sin out of your life. You get right with God. Mamas, you can't teach and train your kids if you're harboring sin in your own life. So come today and let's get clean. Okay, you with me? The second thing we can do today is we can pray for our own. So if you've got kids, I'm going to see you down here at the altar. We're going to pray for our kids. If you've got grandkids, man, let me tell you, they need your prayers. Nathan, those kids are going through stuff today, that, and you're young, dude, but you didn't have to go through what they're going through. It's crazy out there, man. Let's come and pray for our kids and our grandkids. Church, let's pray for the kids God has brought us. We've got kids all around the neighborhood whose parents send them to this church every Sunday and Wednesday. They're our kids. God has given us the Chaffee Crossing kids. Forty great young kids, and sometimes these kids rotate because some of them are given an adoption and they get new kids. But every week we're going to have about 40 of those Chaffee Crossing beautiful, wonderful, precious children that God has brought to this church so that we can nurture them and love on them and care for them and tell them the good news of Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for trusting us to do that. So come and pray for them. And then in eight days, man, eight days, a big thing happens here. We open up these church doors, and we're going to have about 1,000 people from our city come through here. And hundreds of little kids, we're going to give them Christmas. You say, well, that's no big deal. We're just going to give them a gift and some pizza and get their hair cut and let them have a good time that night. No, it's more than that, guys. We're going to tell them about Jesus that night. We're going to show them that people really do love them and care for them and that Jesus is the reason for the season and that they can be saved. You say, well, kids won't be saved that night. I beg to differ with you. I know several who have been saved that night. My daughter, Callie, led some to the Lord out in the parking lot. I know that others have been led to Christ sitting in there eating pizza before they were even given a gift. So let's come and pray. And then, dude, I'm, I'm pushing you today. Volunteer, sign up. Everybody needs to be here on that Monday night for Adopt-A-Family. We've got iPad sign-up stations out here. Go and sign up. Be here. And then when we give the offering, you can give. You know what? I'm not even apologetic about giving now, about asking you to give. I've already given. I think you need to give. Maybe you can't afford to give $300 to support an entire family, but you can give something. And I'm going to tell you, God will bless your heart as you give. When you come down here and pray, I'm going to be kneeling in prayer too. A couple weeks ago, Brother Johnny spoke on Wednesday night, and he gave us a blue form with the names of, of, of certain kids in a family who are going to be here. I've got mine in my office on my desk. I'm praying for five kids, and out of those five kids, they, there are three different last names in that family of five kids. Okay? But I'm praying for those five kids. And when we come down here today, I'm going to pray for those five kids. That when they come here, that we love on them, I'm going to find them. Whatever time slot they come, I'm fine. And I'm going to love on them and hug them and tell them that Jesus loves them. So would you come and pray today? Would you get involved? Would you give? Jesus loves kids. And kids need to know that Jesus loves them. And he's going to use you to tell them that.